Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. I hope you had a wonderful weekend of soccer enjoyment. We are ready to go with a new week of shows. We've got two excellent guests on the program today. Kyle McCarthy from Inside MLS over at Fox Soccer will join us to talk about that league. And Christian Hanez is going to join us at 1040. We're going to do a full English review here. We're going to look at the FA Cup, two semifinals this weekend. We're going to look at the Premier League results, Chelsea with a big win. We're going to look at the championship because down in the championship, things are extremely interesting. Teams are separated by eight teams separated by three points or something insane like that. And obviously that's the incredible opportunity for a bunch of teams to try to get back into the Premier League or get up to the Premier League. Money is rich. Contract TV contracts are blowing up over in England. Everybody wants to get that paper. All of those teams want to get that paper. We've got news coming up, but first and foremost, I think it's important for us, and we did tease this all last week, and I have to do it now. I'm not going to make you wait. If you have not seen Twitter, you may not be aware that, yes, Soccer Morning is joining Sirius XMFC Channel 94 starting on May 4th. We are going to be the lunchtime. We're going to be your, your lovely lunchtime show over at Sirius XMFC. Well, if you're on the East Coast, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So it's still a morning show for everybody else. Look, very much looking forward to this. I'm going to just uh, outline some of the details of this for anybody who might have some confusion. And we've already told you that the web show, this show, the podcast version, the WorldSoccerTalk.com version of the show is moving to 9 a.m. Eastern. That's why. We're moving the WorldSoccerTalk.com show from 10 a.m. to 9 a.m., and then we're doing the Sirius XM FC show from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Totally different shows. Totally different shows. If you are a regular listener of Soccer Morning as it exists right now, nothing changes except for that hour difference. So if you listen live, just change your, you know, change your alarms, change your notifications, if you listen via podcast, nothing changes. Like, literally nothing changes for you if you listen listen via podcast. Now, if you want an extra two hours of soccer morning every day, then you're going to need to sign up for SiriusXM. That's what you need to do. And there's some fantastic stuff over on, on Channel 94. Beyond the Pitch is over there. They've got uh, the Grumpy Pundits now. Harks Miola are holding it down at night. The football show. So we're joining a killer lineup. At Sirius XM FC. We're very excited to be doing so. This has been a long time in the making. It's, uh, it, it, it's a fantastic opportunity for this show. It adds something to Sirius XM FC. We're going to be your source for all of that MLS stuff. We're going to give you the American perspective. We're going to do everything we do here and more in two hours. It's going to be fantastic. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. Now it's a lot more work for Trevor and I, but we're 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 committed to this. We're doing this. We're in this. We have. No, what else are we gonna do? Like seriously, Trevor, if this ended today, what would we? I'd be wandering around like the streets of Leesburg, Virginia, with nothing to do, just pondering nothing. Like I I would have no idea what to do with myself. So I'm very glad that this is happening. Thanks you. Thank you to everybody who's congratulated us on Twitter. We'll open up the phone lines uh, a little bit later. I don't want to make this a uh, back-slapping show. We, we have a lot of soccer to talk about, but if you want to get in and, 
and, and say something about this. And, and certainly, again, sign up for Sirius XMFC if you already not signed up because there's no reason not to now. Absolutely no reason. You get this show and all of that extra stuff and everything else that Sirius XM offers. I mean, come on. How can you go wrong with, with like uh, slow jams, the, the slow jams channel? And, uh, you know, my mom happens to be a Sirius XM subscriber and she listens to, to watercolors jazz. You know, when you're feeling in that mood, it's nice to have that option. So there you go. Again, the web show, 9 a.m. to 10, 10 a.m. every day on worldsoccertalk.com, on YouTube, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on podcast, on iTunes. Then, every single day, every weekday, Sirius XMFC from 11 to 1. That's not a video show. That's just radio. I get to turn off my lights and, and sit here in the dark by myself for the Sirius show. And if you want to listen to the Sirius show and you're not a subscriber, subscriber, there's no way to do that. So just keep that in mind. I don't want people to understand that this is Sirius exclusive stuff. And that's why you need to sign up. And there is an on-demand feature over at Sirius XM if you want to listen after the fact. So there should be an option for you to be able to listen to the two hours we do every day after that if you are a Sirius XM subscriber. There you go. All right. We're rapidly running out of time. We've got to get to Kyle McCarthy in just a couple of minutes. So let me run down some headlines from the weekend. The FA Cup semifinals, as I mentioned, Arsenal taking down Reading 2-1 in extra time. Man, can you... Do you feel bad for Federici or not? Like it, That's obviously a terrible, terrible mistake for him to make in extra time to lose a chance to go to an FA Cup final. You've pushed Arsenal, one of the biggest clubs in the country, to the brink, and that's how you lose? Ah, I mean, Robert Green feels bad for that guy. I don't know. Do we all, should we all, like, you know, should we call up Federici and offer our condolences? How does this work? Arsenal moves on, a chance to repeat as FA Cup champions. They will play Aston Villa, shockingly enough. Aston Villa beats Liverpool 2-1. This is big for Aston Villa, who has obviously been up and down this season and and have been a relegation candidate with some of their poor play. Couldn't score goals for months at a time. Tim Sherwood comes in, and holy crap, look at what Tim Sherwood's done. Making a difference at Aston Villa. Nobody really gave him a chance to be that guy at this club, he's been a bit of a joke. I mean, I don't think that's fair necessarily, but Tim Sherwood has done fantastic work at, at Aston Villa, and now they have a chance to go win a trophy in a year that nobody nobody saw that coming. Absolutely nobody. Meanwhile, in the Premier League, Chelsea beating Manchester United one nothing, totally shutting down United. And this is not this is not expansive fun time Chelsea. This is we're locking it in. We're playing. We're gonna we're, we we don't care how we play. We just want to win. There's something to be said for that and for Jose Mourinho's tactics, but at the same time, it's not really fun uh, to watch Chelsea just go one nothing uh, and beat Manchester United in that type of manner, but they are going to win the Premier League title, and your top four now have sort of separated themselves. You've got United, you've got Manchester City, and Arsenal, clearly. These are the clubs that are likely going to the Champions League next season. In Germany... As mentioned on this show last week, uh, it looks like uh, Thomas Tuchel has been appointed Borussia Dortmund manager following the end of the season. Jurgen Klopp moving on. Jurgen Klopp's name in uh, in the news as a rumored candidate in a lot of places, including Liverpool. Maybe we'll get to that with, with Christian Henege. But the 41-year-old Tuchel will take over from Klopp, who announced his resignation on Wednesday. 
Uh, Dorman said Tuchel will be presented this week after the season ends. I'm sorry, presented the week after the season ends. And, quote, until this time, neither party will make a public statement on the matter. So there you go. It's it's a done deal, but we're not talking about it because we don't want to distract from what's going on in uh, 2014-2015. Interesting story here. Israel, the Israel FA is is going to FIFA and UEFA because they are worried about a Palestinian proposal to have their FA suspended from FIFA next month. FIFA's got their big meeting next month. This is when Sepp Blatter's going to be re-elected president. We know that's coming. Uh, but on the table as well is a proposal from the Palestinian FA to suspend Israel. Now, this is, a, you know, clearly there's politics involved, but the Palestinian FA says that Israel is preventing them from doing their work keeping them from being able to be uh, as successful as they might otherwise be. And this, uh, this is from the Israelis. Our understanding is that Israel's suspension will be put to a vote, and we are preparing for it with everybody we need, said Israeli FA Chief Executive Rodam Kamar Kamir. Uh, it's what he told Israel's Army Radio. So this is an interesting story to watch. Perhaps we can dive into the politics of this down the line uh, here on Soccer Morning. Gareth Bale will miss the next three weeks with injury. It's obviously a big deal because he'll miss the second leg of that Champions League tie with Atletico Madrid. And meanwhile, uh, in Italy, found this interesting. Paolo Pogba's agent, who's the, one of the most popular guys in soccer right now, says that he has taken over 2,000 phone calls since January, this is what Mino Raiola said to an Italian newspaper. I receive 20 calls a day, and at least a few of them are to negotiate, but the right offer has yet to arrive. You take 2,000 phone calls and nobody's come up with the right offer? I don't know. It sounds like a ploy to me. Let's take a break. When we come back, Kyle McCarthy from Fox Soccer Inside MLS will join us. We'll do our MLS review. Lots of great goals, lots of interesting games. Don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back talking Major League Soccer. Kyle McCarthy from Fox Soccer Inside MLS is the blog to follow, the Twitter handle as well. And Kyle J. McCarthy is his personal place uh, for commentary. Kyle, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well this morning, but perhaps not as well as you guys are. Ah, Congrats on the big news. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, you're the first guy on the air to congratulate us, so I guess that means something. Um, it's going to be fun, but uh, we do have a full weekend here to talk about. I mean, it's uh, it, there, there's some wacky things happening in MLS. We had some really great goals, and we had some some interesting results, and we have... New York Red Bulls as, I guess, the undisputed best team in the league by most people's opinion. But I'm going to start with that, that, that thing that happened in Texas and FC Dallas beating Toronto 3-2. FC Dallas not only up a goal in the first 30, uh, 30 seconds through Fabian Castillo, up three goals through the first 30 minutes, and then the lights go out. Um, first, let's, let's focus on Castillo because I think all of us who have been watching that league for a while now have been just waiting for him to completely explode and take over. I feel like this is a top three player in the league if he's on, on his game. Am I right? 
He might not be that high, but he's certainly getting closer to that point. Uh, you look at the strides he made last year, particularly in the final third, uh, he's frightening when he gets everything together. Uh, if he can ally end product with the type of endeavor that he shows, the type of pace that unsettles defenses, uh, he is a, a, a certain prospect. And uh, I, I think you saw some of that on Saturday and from an FC Dallas team that, that really needed to engineer a response. That's an awful, awful performance against Colorado. Yeah, and, and you know, Toronto on the other side of this, I think that's four losses in a row for them. Clearly, this is a team that cannot, they cannot have the sort of slippery slope element to their season. And, and I mean, look, they, they can go through a bad patch. All MLS teams do. But because of their history, Kyle, I just feel like, and because of the money and the pressure, if they don't figure it out, if they don't start, I mean, look, a point on the road would have been fine for them and they couldn't, they couldn't get there. But if they don't start figuring this out, it, it, it could snowball. And next thing you know, we're, we're, we're talking them as, about them as a complete failure and likely to miss the playoffs. Yeah, and part of the problem is the circumstances they're coping with. They're in the middle of a long road trip. They can't get their back four healthy. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're trying to just scrape and claw every week for, for points. And uh, I would take some heart from, from the late, response and, and from Sebastian Giovinco exerting his influence, uh, that's something to hang their hat on. Uh, but you can't defend like they did in the first half and expect to win games. It, it's as simple as that. Well, as you said, the, the, the long road trip to start the season while BMO Field goes through renovations is not helping. And this is this has impacted teams before with stadium openings and, and, and the like. And, and maybe that's just an added element because of, of what they've done in the offseason that's going to, to bring more pressure to bear. Jovinko's been Jovinko's been great, and that was that was obviously a, a great performance for him to, to pull so almost single handedly pull them back and get them a point. But what's it? What do you think it's like? I, I don't know if that you've ever talked to an athlete or a, a, a soccer player who had, who's had to sit around for two hundred and six minutes while the game is delayed, and then come back out and try to to start up those engines again. It's it's really peculiar. Uh, the revs had. Uh, dealt with it on a couple of occasions in, in Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup action, and just talking with guys and, and trying to figure out how they stayed loose. It, it's it's really difficult because athletes rely on routine. They want to do the same things week after week. They want to prepare for games in the same way. And when you're stuck in the locker room uh, for that length of time, it really strips away some of the familiarity and it is difficult to get ramped up for a game again after after you spend that kind of time on the sidelines, and, and it's difficult to get warm. Uh, when you look at it from a physical perspective, it, it's tricky uh, to make sure that everyone is, is in the right shape to, to carry through the rest of the game. Yeah, I, I imagine that the trainers, uh, the, the physio staff for Toronto has a, a lot of work um, today just to make sure those guys can recover. You know, I saw something on this. I don't want to make a big deal out of it. The team, the league, and the and the teams cannot change the weather, and certainly that was a major factor in the delay. But I saw something that said that maybe MLS handled this poorly. That they kept having these thirty minute windows where if there was no lightning, they could get back on the field. But it was poorly communicated to the fans and and certainly to the press. Is I mean, this happens so this is happens so rarely. This might not be an issue, but do you think that MLS deserves some criticism? Criticism, excuse me, for the way that game came off. They're certainly going to receive some. 
you know, whether it's warranted or not is, is, is a debate that you can come up down on either side upon. But when you look at those sorts of scenarios, it's very difficult to plan for that. You're mm-hmm. not expecting lightning to delay games for hours and hours. Uh, you'd like to see better communication, certainly, uh, just to make sure that everybody's on the same page. But uh, I think that's, that's one of the scenarios where you just have to kind of grin and bear it and, and get through and and hope that somebody can figure out how to avoid such things in the future. Uh, let me go back in time and uh, go to Friday night. The New York Red Bulls take down San Jose 2-0. Goals from Sasha Kleshton and Mike Grella. And Jesse Marsh has flat out hit the ground running as the head coach of the New York Red Bulls. Despite all that controversy with Mike Petke being fired and Ali Curtis coming in with his 300-page plan, they, gotta, they have to be engendering some good feeling among the fan base just on how well they're playing as a team. It's tough to dislike Jesse Marsh at this point if you're a Red Bulls fan. When you look at the type of performances the team is putting in, you look at the way they're playing, uh, it's an attractive style of soccer. And they're doing a good job of producing results in a scenario where not everyone expects them to be able to, to find a way um, to, uh, to manage to get um, to get on the ground so quickly. So uh, it's been a, a credit to that team, and it's been a credit to Jesse Mars that they've been able to be so successful now, so quickly. Obviously, you, you, you take Terry Henry out of that lineup, Tim Cahill to a lesser extent. Those guys are center-of-the-universe type players. They don't have that guy. I mean, Bradley Wright Phillips obviously tied the record, and he's a great goal scorer uh, in MLS. And, and you bring in Sasha Kleshton, who's a name. And you've got Dax McCarty in that team and, and Felipe you trade for. But there's no center of the universe guy. Is that is that part of why they've been successful? And what other changes have you seen in the way that they play from the Petke era to the Marsh era? I think the the removal of Terry Henry from the situation helped the collective strength of the team. Uh, because when you have a player like uh, Terry Henry on your side, you trust them to carry you through those difficult moments. You can say, hey, look, TT's got it. We'll be okay. Without a player like that in the side now, it's more of a shared responsibility. And that was something that the players talked about preseason. I had a chance to go down to Florida and spend a day with those guys. And that was, that was important for them to say, look, hey, we believe in this group. We believe we have plenty of talent. We believe we're in a situation where we can surprise a few people. And I think they've shown that. Uh, in terms of differences uh, between Marsh era and the Petke era, I think you have to look at the, the pressure. Mm-hmm. And you look at the way that, that Jesse Marsh's teams pursue the game. Uh, the Red Bulls were a little reactive under Mike Petke, and, and it was effective for him. Uh, under Jesse Marsh, uh, they're a little bit more aggressive, and I, I think that has suited them well. Uh, you look at um, you, you look at this Columbus win three nothing over Orlando City, and obviously you have to take into account uh, Rafael Ramos and the red card it, it changed the game and, and gave uh, Columbus a man advantage for for uh, sixty plus minutes here. But you had three very good goals from Columbus, and this is a team we expected a lot a lot out of. Are they rounding into form, or should should we kind of toss this out a little bit? Uh, it's an important result for for Crew SC. Uh, they they needed a, a type of display like this, and uh, they were ruthless uh, in the way they approached that game. Uh, the Ramos red card obviously alters things considerably, but 
uh, they, were, they did a good job to, to get some good goals and, and really put their foot on the neck uh, of Orlando City. And that's been an issue for Columbus uh, over the past nine to 12 months. So uh, the fact that they were able to dispatch Orlando City so easily uh, was an important step forward for the group. In terms of the red card, any doubt at all? No. No. No, fair, uh, fair decision. Certainly limited uh, city, uh, Orlando City in Columbus uh, on the road for an expansion team like that and playing a, a good team. And, and Kai Kamara has certainly uh, been a big addition to, to Crew SC. When you look at Orlando, though, and um, a, again, I mean, the, they, they've maybe exceeded expectations a little bit. We knew Kaka was going to be an excellent player in this league, but they had some other things that were showing up that maybe surprised us a bit. Is are they are they just due for a rough patch? I mean, is this is this the kind of thing that could derail them in year one, or do they have the fortitude to navigate this and and still be in the play, playoff picture come October? I think they'll be okay. Uh, every expansion team, every MLS team for that matter, goes through nights like the the night in Columbus. It happens. Everything goes wrong for you. And that was always a, a tricky game for Orlando City uh, because of the way they want to possess the ball mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that they're going to play against a crew SC team that, that's pretty capable in that department. So uh, I, I think you just chalk this one up to a, a, a difficult night at the office and, and you move on. I, I think Orlando City is in a decent spot right now. Colorado had a difficult night at the office at home against Seattle. Uh, Lamar Nagel with a couple of goals. Obafemi Martins with an all-world type of uh, first touch and turn for the third one. That's the Seattle we expect to see. Is this the Seattle we're going to get for a while? Well, that's a, that's the, the key question, isn't it? Uh, it's one thing to do that against Colorado, a, a team that was perhaps flying a little high after that cathartic victory at FC Dallas last weekend. And, uh, I, I think if you're Seattle, you have to, to keep your, your focus on, on what's in front of you. Uh, it doesn't always have to be that scintillating. Uh, I, I think it was good for Lamar Nagel to get on the score sheet considering how frustrated he was in Carson uh, last weekend. So I, I think it's a good performance from Seattle. I think it's a good result, and it's something they can take forward as they try and get a little bit of momentum and, and make sure that everyone's healthy for the foreseeable future. How, how important is it for Seattle and for Siggy Schmidt to be able to put out what is very, very close to their best team? You could argue that Andy Rose might be swapped out for Pineda, or, or obviously Christian Roldan could come on later in the year. But, but this is essentially their best team. Clint Dempsey came back. Obviously, you have Martins, Nagel, Papa. The back line is not, it doesn't inspire a ton of confidence, but it's definitely good enough. How important is that for Seattle? It's huge, and it's huge for every MLS team. Uh, when you look at the impact of expansion on teams, it, it's certainly felt when you have to dip into the bench. And for a team like Seattle to be able to put its best players out on the field, it, it makes a world of difference, and I, and I think you saw that in Commerce City. So Seattle with a big win. Meanwhile, out west, uh, L.A. gets a late winner from Omar Gonzalez to beat Sporting Kansas City. Now, by all the reports, and I admit that I didn't get a chance to watch this game myself, Kyle, uh, L.A. didn't exactly look like themselves, but they get three points. That's got to be the more important thing right now. That's what champions do. Uh, they might not have their best game, uh, but they find a way to, to grind it out. Bruce Arena was able to throw Omar Gonzalez and Jossi Zardes in the late stages, and, and they were able to exert their influence on the game. Uh, L.A. has not 
met their standards yet this year. Uh, I think that's clear. Uh, but if they can continue to accrue points as they sort things out, I, I think they'll be all right. Well, you know, and I've talked about this before. Is there? Is it too much? I mean, are they were you focusing too much on the notion? I don't know that they're doing this internally, but certainly you could argue that they're just sort of playing a waiting game until Steven Gerrard shows up. He's going to change them so fundamentally. But are they putting too many eggs in that particular basket? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a definite possibility. But this was always going to be a, an early season of change with, with Landon Donovan retiring and Marcelo Sarvis going to Colorado. Those two guys were critical to the way the Galaxy had played over the past few years. Uh, so there was always going to be a natural feeling out period. And for the, for the Galaxy, they do have to, to keep in mind that Steven Gerrard is going to be a, an important piece of this team starting in the summer. So I think at this stage, if you're the Galaxy, you're trying to find a way to get through. You're trying to find a way to get as many points as you can and give yourself a little bit of a cushion mm-hmm. uh, to make sure you, you sort through everything with Steven Gerrard when he arrives. Now, look, I mean, LA is in third place right now in the West. They're, they're, out, they're on 1.57 points a game. That's good enough right now, certainly. It's good enough probably to get them in the playoffs uh, with the six spots available. And meanwhile, you look down at Sporting, and they're in ninth, and they've got 1.29 points a game, only se- only nine points through seven matches. Their goal differential is uh, in the wrong direction. Uh, it's obviously not panic time yet for sporting, but where are they in, their, in, in sort of fixing the issues that they had last season? They're still working on it, and you can tell in the, in the performances, you can tell in the way that Peter Vermees is trying to tweak things a little bit. Uh, there's some work to do, certainly, for sporting. Uh, do I think they'll get there? Yes. Uh, that's a team that is good enough to be in the playoffs, a team that's good enough to make some noise in the playoffs, uh, but there's still some work to do. Hey, the, the the West, though. I mean, Kyle, look at uh, Vancouver obviously started very, very well. They're in first place. FC Dallas had a good start. Maybe they've taken a step back, big win um, against Toronto. Galaxy, Seattle, San Jose, maybe a, a touch of a surprise, but we know that there's something there, and Dom Kinnear always works things out. Houston, who has to move over to the West. They get a draw on the weekend. Maybe we'll touch on that game. Real Salt Lake, struggling a bit, working out a formation change under Def Kassar. Portland, underwhelming again. But all of these teams are certainly quality enough to, to make the playoffs eventually. And maybe Colorado's the only team you can certainly say, well, they're the ones we don't expect much from. That's nine teams for six spots. Somebody's going to have to figure out how to, you know, how to separate themselves. Absolutely, and everyone knew heading into the season that the Western Conference was going to be a gauntlet. It just, it just is. You look at the teams that are involved, you look at some of the changes, and it's going to be difficult to get their way through. So the key is to just pick up as many points as possible over the first two-thirds of the season and then get ready for that sprint during the final third because yeah. that's what it always comes down to. you gotta, you got to do enough to keep yourself in a position to, to be alive uh, for that, that closing sprint. You know, again, it brings up this notion of whether or not it's possible to peak too, too early in MLS, and, and you look at the way the Red Bulls have played, and, and maybe Vancouver, uh, and they got a win this weekend, and, and you wonder, is this something that they can sustain? Are they just going to be a flash in the pan and eventually you know, drop off? Both those teams, again, good enough to make the playoffs, big safety net there. But at some point, you have to wonder if um, you know the other teams uh, behind them, who we know have have quality in them, are, are going to overtake those clubs. Let me turn to uh, to Vancouver, a one nothing win 
over Real Salt Lake. Darren Maddox with the winner. Uh, red card for uh, for RSL to Salcedo that really changed things. Or, or let me ask you, did did that directly lead to the goal? Happened four mo- four minutes before Maddox scored. Yeah, it's it's a tough scenario, and, and there was some consternation in, 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 uh, at RSL uh, because of a similar attacker by Russell Tybert in the first half uh, did not receive the same uh, sort of rebuke. So it's a it's a tough scenario. Uh, but what I will say is that when you're Vancouver and you have a little bit more space on the field, mm-hmm. that's when that's when things can get dangerous. Mm-hmm. And for Darren Maddox to get on the score sheet and to to really find a way to make his mark on the game. That's a that's a good thing for a team that's going to need him over the course of this season. I was a little surprised to see Darren Maddox score on the header. I'm not saying that he's not capable of it, but I can't remember him doing that. Well, you think about Darren Maddox as a as a speedster first and foremost. You you look at him and you think he's the kind of guy who can get in behind defenses and just slot past the goalkeeper. And that's a that's a natural reaction because of the way that he has performed. Uh, during his time at MLS, but uh, he's taken the header pretty well, and he's a goal scorer first and foremost. So if he puts himself in that position, uh, then he's able to do something with it. Uh, Carl Robinson's got some some pretty interesting attacking depth here, Kyle. I'm not sure a lot of teams really have this ability to rotate guys like Darren Maddox, like Kudamane, like Eric Hurtado, like Robert Earnshaw, who you know, has had a, a good stint with TFC and is certainly capable of coming in late and making a making a difference. Is is this something? I mean, how do you rate Carl Robinson's rotation policy essentially to this point? It, it's interesting because it's not just one type of player; it's several different types of players. You've got a lot of different options where you can mix and match. You've got that raw speed. You've got a little bit of guile with a guy, with a guy like Mauro Rosales. You've got a, a fox in the box like Robert Earnshaw. And, and you have Octavio Rivero to, to really stitch everything together as that, that number nine who can polish off moves. So uh, I like the variety at Carl Robinson's disposal. He, he's got some, some real options, and he's got ways that he can change the game. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about doing things one way. And that's going to be critical as the season progresses. Now, they did go to Vancouver, went on the road to RSL, and, and again, in MLS, the goal is to, you know, hey, get a point, and if we win, great. They played a little bit more defensive than maybe they would at home, and uh, typical. And meanwhile, RSL is still finding it difficult to create good chances. There were a couple, I think uh, Saborio had a had a header that he put right down Usted's throat. Um, Usted played well, but you can't, you can't really say RSL is firing on all cylinders this process of the switch to the four three three again without Joao uh, Joao Plata, who we should mention, is it how much longer do we really have to expect them to work it out? Well, that's that's the the key question, and and Plata is certainly the uh, an important part of what they're trying to do now. I mean, when you look at how they were conceptualizing that shift during the off season, uh, you look at their attacking options and you think, okay. This makes sense. Uh, but he, it's a little bit trickier when Plata isn't there because he does so much for the team. Uh, he poses such a threat. And, and you've seen players who aren't stepping up and filling that void. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a tricky scenario for Jeff Kassar. I think he's right to persist. I think he's right to continue to, to work through it uh, because most good sides need to have a couple of different ways of playing. Yeah. And... The fact that they, they could go back to the diamond at some point is effective. 
that the fact that they they're going to get a four three three right at some point is also going to be critical for them. Yeah, Plata pulled guys out of position essentially, which is a big deal, obviously for guys like Saborio sitting there in in the middle. So RSL falls to Vancouver one nothing um, at home. Uh, you had Nor- uh, New York City FC uh, and Portland at Yankee Stadium. Now NYCFC is the second game in a week for them. They were missing a bunch of guys, Kyle, and I. I imagine that you could toss this out, but Jason Christ seems like he's a little frustrated right now. And I think Alexi Lawless mentioned this on the broadcast. When you ask around NYCFC about whether this team is would be better off playing on a bigger surface, everybody kind of looks at their shoes. This is going to be a recurring problem for them. Yeah, it's always an awkward fit when you look at a team like NYCFC that's built to keep the ball. And you place them in the middle of a baseball stadium that has a postage stamp for a field. And that's certainly causing some issues. Uh, when you look at the performance last night, uh, the primary concern was the fact that they weren't very good. Mm. Uh, they were just not uh, up to the task uh, without Ms. Biscarud and, and David Villa. And it sort of showed the, the lack of depth they have as an expansion team. Uh, we also uh, we kind of passed by D.C. and Houston. I, I should have mentioned that game only because I did mention the Dynamo out west. D.C. United still still at the top of the uh, Eastern Conference, still second place, I believe, at this point. Chris Rolfe with a, uh, a wicked free kick goal uh, to get a point for his side. Um, any disappointment from D.C. United, and wh- where do you think they are uh, in an attempt to, uh, to, to you know, build off of last season's uh, fantastic performance? Uh, they want it in that game, certainly, and when they take the lead, they expect to see it out. But United's fine. Uh, they they had their little blip. Then Olsen uh, reinforced the principles of the team after that, that tough defeat uh, against New York, and, and United is just humming along, and they 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 know how to produce results, and they, and they uh, will, will do enough uh, over the course of the season to, to ensure that things keep ticking along. That's it. I mean, it's so simple, uh, and and maybe that's a, a comment on how they play. They're not going to draw a ton of eyeballs, but they certainly are effective. Yeah, and that's it. They know how to. They know exactly what they need to do to secure points, and that's a difficult trait to, for any team to develop. But United has managed to do it, and and they find a way to to get results and sometimes they don't get everything they want from a game like on Saturday night uh, but they still get something from the game mm. and that's that's critical as you march through a, a lengthy regular season last but not least Philadelphia falls to New England 2-1 at PPL Park Christian Maidana with a free kick goal and then Teal Bunbury came on and changed everything yeah Revs got a, a lot off their bench last night uh, they weren't very good in the first half certainly uh, but they improved after the break, and, and Philadelphia just couldn't find a way to cope with them uh, once they started making the changes. And it's a it's a good result for the Revs. Uh, they're starting to round into form a little bit and, and really uh, find their footing, and, and that makes them very very dangerous in that Eastern Conference. Well, you, you know you, there were there are a couple of injuries in that Revolution team, and you know you had Jermaine Jones playing at, at center back. Uh, in this match, maybe that's not a place he's going to be normally lined up. Andy Dorman and Caldwell are in, are in the midfield. That's I don't I don't know if that's something that that we'll see heaps do consistently if he has everybody available. I, you, you said the rounding into form, 
some of the story is uh, is a guy like London Woodbury. They're getting some contributions, as you said, off the bench. How close are they to to full health? I mean, how close are they until until they get everybody they want available, ready to go? I think it's going to be a little bit, but when you have guys like Woodbury who are stepping in and really submitting good performances, it provides you with a little bit of latitude, right? So if you're the revolution at this point, uh, you're not at full full strength, but you're finding ways to, to get results. And the scary part for everyone else is that it's pretty clear that the Reds aren't there yet, mm. and yet they're still causing all sorts of problems. And uh, that's a... That's a frightening thing for for other teams. Yeah, certainly. And, and as you uh, as we saw, I mean, um, uh, Bunbury was very good. Charlie Davies scores a goal. Juan Aguilar is a consistent danger, and yet nobody gets the sense that Lee Wynn is is anywhere near his form of last year. Is is that going to come along? Do you, do you foresee that? I mean, are we are we just witnessing a slow start for him? It, I think when, when you look at how Wynn twenty fourteen went. You could see some of that uh, trickling through to 2015. You see opposing teams placing a little more emphasis on them. Uh, you look at Jermaine Jones playing intermittently over the course of this season uh, and featuring a center back uh, on Sunday. So I think Wynn will benefit substantially from a little bit more reliability in the team. Once everything sort of falls into place, I think that gives Wynn the platform to, to really influence matches. Kyle McCarthy from Fox Soccer Inside MLS is the blog. You should be uh, following them on Twitter. Follow Kyle himself at Kyle J. McCarthy. Always enjoy our MLS chats and uh, thanks for the uh, kind words. Kyle, we'll talk to you soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. All right, there goes Kyle McCarthy. Good stuff from him. Let's shift over the pond to England. Talk to Christian Hanej. FA Cup, Premier League, Championship, all coming up. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go, talking some English football with our friend Christian Hanej on the line on a train to London. And I think I accidentally just called his, his dad. So I had a nice little chat with his dad before we got Christian on the line. Uh, but it'll sh- it should be a good chat here. We've got a lot to cover. Christian, how are you? I'm not too bad, thanks. My dad sends his regards. <laughs> are, are, you sound like you're. Are you in the quiet car? Is this? Uh, is this? Do you have to be in hushed tones? No, I'm in between cars at the minute. Oh. Um, I've gone into the middle passage, so we're safe as houses. Okay, it's good. It's good to talk to you. Let's uh, let's focus on the FA Cup semifinals at Wembley this weekend. Um, first, Arsenal beating Reading in probably the most heartbreaking way possible for Reading fans. Yeah, that was a really tough watch for Reading to reach out. It really did happen because I thought there was a few times where actually he bailed Reading out from going out of the competition. And unfortunately, as, as is often the case with these situations, there is always a, a villain and a hero. And I thought ultimately it, it didn't paint Arsenal in the, the best light either. Again, for a second year, yes, they've made it to the final, but they've struggled to be the championship side to get there. Now, in truth, if they win this competition, we won't remember how they got there, really. We'll remember that they won it, and that's what the record books will reflect. But 
the concern for me is this duality in Arsenal. The idea that, yeah, they're on a fantastic run. I think they've only lost two in 14. Um, but they're also struggling in competitions like this. Again, they're mentally looking a little bit fragile because they were simply out and battled by a championship side in red. Yeah, but that's the magic of the cup, is it not? I mean, you look, uh, you, you know, you look over at the other semifinal, and I know that, our, that Aston Villa is a Premier League side, Christian, and yet them taking down Liverpool and, and Liverpool may not be um, uh, may not be playing as well as as they should be, but certainly for Villa to to beat Liverpool is is still a bit of a surprise, and, and again goes to show you that this competition can throw up these type of results. Exactly. I think, uh, as you touched on there, it's that intangible and magic of the cup. But that is a, a possible thing to witness. Because I think maybe in recent years we've questioned if that's diminished, if not vanished from competition altogether. But I think also that, that is a little bit unfair on the, the, the team that went through in Aston Villa. Because to mm. me, they played exceptionally well. And, and again, they played for the occasion. And I think that's what's great about the FA Cup is it is a great equaliser because it doesn't really matter what division you're in, where you've spent the majority of your career. It's one afternoon where if you win, you're better team and it's as simple as that. Nothing else really feeds into it. If anything, there's a, a mental kind of relaxant to the, the underdogs, which in this case was Villain, I think really spurred them on and then let them go and win it and play perfectly into the hands of the manager and Tim Sherwood who to me seems very heavily motivational. And, and, and that brings me to Sherwood. I, I picture Sherwood like a drum major with a baton just marching his troops to, to Wembley again for the final now. And so much of the hiring of Tim Sherwood after Paul Lambert was let go was wrapped up in this notion that maybe he's tactically naive, maybe he is only a motivator, and yet perhaps that's what Villa needed most. Did I lose you, Christian? Good. No, I'm still here. I see the point that you're making. I think that was certainly some of the the questions that were levelled at in the Spurs. That actually, the, the tactics were there. He was was entirely motivational. You can see that in his personality. I mean, even the the Premier League with Blackburn. I think when you see him in press conferences, he has the aura of a winner, of someone that does inspire confidence. Now, I think certainly we saw avenues at Tottenham where that was the case. They got like some Ryan Mason, Nabil Bunter and Harry Kane who mm. came to the floor, I imagine, off the back of conference-inspiring chats they had with, with their coach. Of course, he does also meander a little bit uh, into parody with some of the things he comes out with. Mm-hmm. But I think also, uh, again, we've seen him just ever so slightly talk tactical things to do with Benteke. In fact, the fact that he's getting the ball to him quicker, the fact that he's asking him to do less on the defensive end because mm-hmm. he realises that it's much better for the team if Benteke saves his energy as far as it all into those attacking outlets. No, that's not a, a reinvention of the game. You know, that's, that's not recreating the wheel in any way. But to me, it's just actually... He's able to, to analyse the game in a way that suggests that he can move Aston Villa forward in a positive way. And I think, equally, if you, you look at the results, perhaps, yes, there's a, a degree of dead cat about some of Villa's results, but I also think there's a degree that the players improved somewhat and, mm. and they're starting to realise how to best maximise the asset, which to me is a lot of our factors in the field of health and then also... The fact that when you put him in the right positions, which credit to show what he really has, mm-hmm. he will score you goals. And yeah. I think that was perhaps what was lacking in Paul Lambert. What, what you th- you, when you think about a, a team that is underperforming or threatened with relegation and needs a boost, what, a, what an incoming manager needs to do most in, for, you know, mostly is simplify things to make the tasks 
for those players easier. The, the more you heap on a player, especially when their confidence is lacking and their form is down, uh, the the less likely they are to to recover. And so when you come in with a with an Aston Villa team again with Benteke in it, maybe simplifying things is the best way to go. And I'm not saying that Tim Sherwood doesn't can't do some advanced tactics if he wants to, but that's definitely the way to go for this particular side. Well, exactly. I was privy to, to John Carver's press conference yesterday, and he's similar that you know, he's going to have to pick up points, and it may not be pretty what he does. And, and I think often the idea with, with managers coming in at this stage of the season is to keep it simple and actually progress tactically to get that end goal of points in the, the Premier League. Now, I think if you look at the time at Tottenham and also Aston Villa, I wouldn't say he's progressed immensely. I would say what he's done is he's identified what are the key assets and key mm. facets of that team. Mm. And for me, he's realised that there before. Benteke needs to be in goal-scoring position. And I think too often he was. He certainly thinks spectacular moments. Perhaps the train was going through a tunnel. <laughs> Chris, are you still there? All right, we may have lost Chris. We'll see if he can come, if he comes back. I mean, it's a, perhaps it's a signal issue with him on his way to London as we speak. You mentioned Newcastle. I definitely wanted to bring us to Newcastle at some point when we touched on the Premier League. Um, this it, it's it, they fascinate me. They continue to fascinate me because the Magpies are a a big club who plays small more often than not. John Carver is an interesting uh, figure, if only because of, for me, his history with MLS and Toronto FC. They are in a position where they have, they should have the wherewithal to be a better club, a better side than they are, and they're just getting some misery heaped upon them. Chris, are you still there? Chris, are you with me? Yes, hello. All right. How was the tunnel that you just went through, I imagine? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was nice. It was uh, unexpected. All right. So, so we, we, look, we were obviously touching on Aston Villa and Tim Sherwood and the work he's done there. And, and they're, off, they're off to the final now. And it's an opportunity for, the, for them to win a trophy. Uh, it's certainly an unexpected one considering the way the season has gone. But before I run out of time with you, I have to talk – uh, Premier League briefly, and then I, I, I want to touch on some of the, the stories in the championship, which is uh, just a madhouse of competition at the moment for the Premier League spots. In in the Premier League, Chelsea locking down and, and beating Manchester United 1-0. Um, is, this, um, is this a vintage Mourinho type of thing? Is this even more... Uh, more defensive than we would expect. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of talent in that team to go and score goals, and yet at this point it seems like, let's just get the business done. It was. I think that was the, the lowest recorded percentage Chelsea's ever had at Stamford Bridge since I started recording statistics. Um, Van Hall was right to say that they were the best team, and I think it's funny. I remember Jose Mourinho once saying in a press conference that 1 0 is the easiest result in football. So you could very easily argue he, he took the easy way out on, on the weekend against Manchester United. But I think for him, it, it, it almost kind of meanders back to the, the FA Cup discussion. It's just winning the title. There's something really uh, else to be considered here. And, and for Mourinho, it's, it's the business end of things. And to take that easy result, uh, to essentially also get one over on Manchester United is a, is a thing he's got to take rather than coming play as Van Gaal had to, saying that they didn't play, but the result ultimately wasn't what they wanted. 
Uh, you look at the standings now, the table, Chelsea in first place, obviously they're going to go win a title. Arsenal in second, a point up on United, who is a point up on City. City with a win over West Ham 2-0. Two, uh, and this, these are going to be your Champions League qualifiers. That, the, the, only, the only thing that to left to play for right now at the top end of the table, Chris, I imagine is the automatic qualifier versus the, uh, the, um, sorry, the group stage qualification versus the, uh, uh, the other, whatever that other spot is called. It's bl- I'm blanking on it right now. The one that Arsenal usually holds. City and United and Arsenal tight enough. Who do you imagine is going to, uh, who, who do you imagine is going to finish thir- second, third, and fourth? I think it will likely be Arsenal, Manchester United and Manchester City. Uh, those are the three I expect to take it, just just because of the, the momentum that they have um, and where they are in the... They do have obviously the, the three better squads of those around them, I think. I look at, uh, I look at Liverpool briefly before we move on. They obviously lose this match uh, in the FA Cup semi-finals. Brendan Rodgers under some pressure. And I, you know, I've seen a couple of things. I don't know if there's actually any interest, but of course the media and the press is going to do what they do. Jurgen Klopp's name has, has uh, been brought up as a potential replacement for Brendan Rodgers. Is that harsh on him? They may have over underwhelmed just a bit, but at the same time, last year was such a step forward for them that it seems uh, difficult to imagine that Rodgers deserves to be sacked at this point. I think if he was Swansea manager, we would be saying, yes, it is quite harsh. The problem is is that when you move to Liverpool, the expectations change with that. And while I, I have to give immense credit to Brendan Rodgers for last season and, and that title challenge, I think that's... Another tunnel, perhaps. <laughs> this, is, uh, this, is, uh, this is the way things go with Chris. He likes to call us from street corners. He likes to call us from trains to London. Um, we have actually physically lost the call now with Christian Hinesh. I think what we're best, uh, the best uh, solution here is to move on. We can talk championship. I'll sort of outline the way things uh, are going in the championship right now. Again, eight teams all fighting for a potential spot in the Premier League next year. It's not just the normal, hey, we're, we're going up. It's, it's a matter of money here. This is potentially um, future changing money with the new television contracts in the Premier League, uh, the championship has. Uh, let's see. Uh, there are. I'm looking at. Uh, I'm looking at these teams: Brentford, Derby, Ipswich Town, Wolves, Watford, Norwich, Middlesbrough, and Bournemouth. All competing here for an opportunity to move up. Let's take a break. Let's do that. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll open up the phone lines. We'll talk some championship. We'll uh, we'll dive into some other things. Your goals of the weekend. If you didn't see that goal. For Indy 11 to beat the San Antonio Scorpions, go find that on YouTube. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go on a big day announcement. If you missed it at the top of the show, Soccer Morning is joining Sirius XM FC starting on May 4th. We are occupying the 
the lunchtime slot, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time. That is a separate show from this version. So you're going to get you're going to get a WorldSoccerTalk.com live web show every mo- every weekday morning from 9 to 10, 10 15. Then we go on the air on Sirius from 11 to 1. Totally different shows. If you want to listen to the Sirius show, you need to sign up for a Sirius subscription. And it's not that much money, and you get a ton of stuff. So you should be doing that, considering that right now. Thank you to everybody on Twitter who's been congratulating us. It's been great. Phone lines are open, 646-832-3909. You could jump in on this championship thing, sort of outlining where things stand right at the moment. I had the uh, I had the standings up. I need to find them again because it's it's extremely tight at the top end of the English Championship, and this is not a league that look. I, I don't think I've watched a single championship league uh, championship game this season. Not because I don't want to, because I don't have time. There's too much soccer involved in my life anyway to try to go find the championship. Who has the championship right now? Who has the TV rights to the championship in the United States. Because I feel like I should know this and I don't. BN Sport does. Okay. So BN Sport has the championship rights. We're getting close to the end of the season. You got two games left for everybody. By the way, they play a million games in the championship. Do people realize this? Do people realize how many games they play in the championship? There are 24 teams in the championship. Everybody plays each other, home and away. 46 games you play in the England second division. Now, in, in, the, in the Premier League, 20 teams, you play 38 games. That's, that's uh, it's a big difference over the course of a full season. Right now, here are your championship standings, in case you're wondering. Watford on 85 points. Bournemouth on 84 points. Those are the top two teams. Those are the automatic qual- uh, promotion places. Then you have the playoff places. Middlesbrough in 84 on 84 points. So tied with Bournemouth on points, but obviously uh, behind on tiebreaker. Norwich on 82 points. Derby on 76 points. Ipswich Town on 75. That's one through six. And you have Brentford down there, three points back of Ipswich. Wolves, three points back of Ipswich. Those are the teams involved. Eight teams, because then you got a big gap down to Blackburn at 60 points. Eight teams trying to get into the Premier League next season. You have three spots. So the top two teams are going to automatically qualify or automatically uh, go up to the Premier League. And then the uh, Premier League, uh, then the, the championship playoffs happen, which are always a fantastic time. The playoffs, the championship playoff, promotion playoffs deliver some of the most dramatic moments you're ever going to see. Insane stuff happens in the promotion playoffs. That I'm definitely going to try to watch. Somebody make sure I, I'm on top of that. Do I, I need a minder. I need somebody to remind me to pay attention to this stuff. 646-832-3909. Make sure you're, um, again, make sure you check out that goal for Indy 11 to beat the San Antonio Scorpions. Brilliant goal. It's on Deadspin. It made Deadspin. I think 45, 50-ish yards he hit it from. To win that game, good stuff there in, in the NASL. I don't have. Uh, let me let me pull up the NASL results. We'll do a quick rundown of those as well. Big year for the NASL. ESPN three deal. All games online streaming. Tampa Bay, Minnesota played to a goalless draw. 
FC Edmonton and Carolina 1-1. Ottawa beat. Oh, that was on. I'm sorry. I'm going back too far. Tampa Bay and Minnesota was last week. FC Edmonton and Carolina was on the 12th. So here you go. Here's this week. Ottawa Minnesota, Ottawa beat Minnesota United 1-0. Cosmos beat Tampa Bay 2-0 on Saturday. Atlanta beat Carolina on the road 2-1 on Saturday. Indianapolis, I'm sorry, Indiana, Indy 11, as I mentioned, beat the San Antonio Scorpions on the road on Saturday. And then FC Edmonton beat the Strikers 3-2 up in Canada. There you go. There's your NASL rundown. 646-832-3909. Nobody wants to call in and talk championship. No one's talking MLS. Clearly, a lot of uh, talking points in MLS, as we mentioned with Kyle McCarthy at the top of the show, or second segment, rather. That three-and-a-half-hour delay, I I cannot... I cannot think of a worse thing, not only as an athlete. I mean, look, you get up, you warm up, you go play. 42 minutes in, the lights go out. You're already down 3 nothing if you're Toronto. you got to feel terrible about that. You go in the locker room, lightning outside. Okay, you can't play in lightning. Get it. Totally understand. And then many times throughout the next three hours, they call you out to get ready to play because the 30-minute window, you need a 30-minute gap with no lightning strikes in the area in order to get back on the field. And they kept getting pulled out and put back in the locker room, pulled out, put back in the locker room. And then they come out and they have to finish that match. And again, Jovinko, obviously his head's on right, scores twice. Can't imagine a worse scenario. And then there were actually fans who stuck around. Full credit to those people. Christian in California is on the line. What's up? Hey, how's it going, man? Big fan. Appreciate it. What's going on in uh, in your congrats world? On the, uh, congrats on the deal. Oh, I was just looking at the um, the attendance numbers uh, for this last week. They've been, there's been an ongoing discussion about it on Reddit uh, since the start of the season. And, you know, I was looking at – I'm a season ticket holder for the Galaxy, and I was kind of looking at – we did like 21,000 or so this week. Uh-huh. And we've not had, you know – we've only had like a couple of sellouts and I started thinking about like why that is because as a season ticket holder, you notice certain things and like, I'm seeing a lot of like living social deals. Like this last week we had uh, like a friends and family deal for $10 tickets and we're still not selling out games. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how much we should look into that stuff. I mean, this is pretty standard. There, there's a competition, Right? I mean, come on, Christian. It, uh, not that, that the Galaxy shouldn't sell out on some level. Maybe when Steven Gerrard arrives in the summer, that will there will be an uptick. I, I don't, I don't, I'm kind of over sweating MLS attendance. Now, if we have an individual, a couple of individual places where attendance is low and we're talking eight to 10 to 12,000 people every single home match, then we maybe focus on that particular market and wonder what the problem is and wonder if they're spending enough money and if they're marketing the right way. But when it comes to the Galaxy, I mean, everybody outside of Seattle, uh, Orlando, who's obviously playing in a bigger joint right now, uh, Toronto maybe, especially with their new place opening up soon, um, who else? Everybody else would kill for 21,000 people, Christian. I guess I guess that does put it in a little con- into context a bit. But, I mean, as as a resident around here, you know, I kind of think about this because still, like, at least in Orange County, 
amongst, you know, like my coworkers and, you know, where you go around, you meet people, you, you interact with people. Being, you know, a dude that's into MLS is still considered kind of like a weird thing. And I think yeah. that's the bigger problem both of these teams are going to need to solve is that, that they need to market to make it like yeah. culturally cool. Like here we have a very large Hispanic population. And, and it's funny because if you go into like soccer shops around here, you see like Liga MX wall to wall, sure. Barcelona wall to sure. wall. And you don't even, you don't well, see anything MLS in it, the shop. Christian, it's, it, it's a difficult code to crack, I think. I mean, we're talking about ancestral ties to those Liga MX teams, to Guadalajara, to Come America, to, to whoever. We're talking about deep rooted connections, which I think trumps a lot of things. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Denver Broncos fan because my grandfather had season tickets in 1963 or whatever it was. I mean, these things matter to people. And and when it comes to Barcelona, I mean, that's just because they're the biggest, you know, one of the biggest teams in the world. They have the best player in the world. They're obviously glamorous on a level that the Galaxy just can't compete with. And I don't think the Galaxy should try to compete with that. The, the, the Galaxy, you know, they kind of have to be sneaky about it. They have to go, they have to find some new avenues. They have to think outside the box. This is true for everybody. And yet here you are sort of saying, oh, 21,000 people. And man, we had to have some, we had living social <laughs> deals and we couldn't, we couldn't fill up 27,000. I mean, think about the, the health of the league compared to where it was 10 or 12 or 15 years ago. I, I, I get what you're sure. saying. Like, I, I want the growth. I do. I want, I want, I want the galaxy to sell out every weekend and I want it to matter in LA. And I actually was just listening to a podcast, a couple of, uh, TV industry guys, film industry guys do a podcast and they're talking about this is actually was listening to their podcast from the World Cup last year because I'm way, way behind. And they talked about they kind of brushed past MLS. And one guy said, I'm a big soccer fan, but I don't care about the Galaxy or I don't go out to MLS games. I don't. And, I, you know, I, I kind of want to scream at him. And yet I, I don't. Why? What, what would be the point? It's on the Galaxy to draw his attention, not the, not for him to, to out of some obligation, pay attention. So. You know, it's it's up to that team and those guys in the marketing team. And the Galaxy have some of the best people in the business. You got anything else, man? No, I'm good, good, man. Thanks. Sorry, I I didn't mean to talk your ear off there. There goes Christian in L.A. Let's talk to Washington up in New York. What's going on, Washington? Hey, what's up, Jason? How's it going, man? First of all, congratulations on the Sirius XM. Thank you very much. It's great, man. Thank you. I expect, like, I never had Sirius before, uh, and I'm going to get it now because of you guys. So sweet. Now, I, you know, and even here's the thing: you go ahead and you, you get your subscription. I won't even be offended if you end up on the smooth jazz station during the show because <laughs> it's hard to resist. And like ninety, the nineties on nine, and you know. I don't know if you're a hair metal guy. I'm sure there's a hair metal channel. I mean, come on. You the can't... only reason I'm getting this to watch you guys, and honestly, the, the, I didn't know that they had a special FC lineup. So now that I know that, I'll probably watch or listen to the other shows as well. Oh but, yeah, the channel yeah, ninety congratulations. channel ninety four Sirius XM FC. Follow them on Twitter. It's just that Sirius XM FC channel ninety four is wall to wall soccer from beginning to end. And again, I, I identify Ray Hudson's on that uh, station uh, on a regular basis. Phil Shane's on that station on on a regular basis. Yanish Mahalik is on that station on a regular basis. You're, you can't go wrong. You really can't. Well, there you go. You opened my eyes to a new frontier. Thank you. I'm paying off uh, already. Listen. I'm paying off already. Go ahead. <laughs> the reason I called was uh, for the MLS, a little MLS, the NYCFC to be specific. Uh, you know, it didn't go our way yesterday. It was kind of rough. My, my, my concern is this, right? 
Because I, I, I'm, the, I don't want anyone making a mistake. I'm a diehard NYCFC fan. I ride and die with them. Win or lose, I'm with them, right? All right. That's good. But yesterday, as soon as the, the 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 game was over, I'm looking on Twitter and there's a huge bunch of of, of mean tweets. And some of them, uh, maybe not mean, just you know, they're, they're, they're being over analytical. Some of them were from journalists. Some of them from analysts. And I'm like. Are they like is is NYCFC? Do they have a microscope on them because they're City Football Group owned? Yes. Is that why? Yes. Because if it wasn't for that, I think for any other expansion team, I don't think it would have been as bad. I mean, yeah, it was uh, really whoa. bad. Okay, hold what on. Do you think? All right, watch. Let me let me outline the reasons why your team is taking heat. Okay. Number one, they're new. Everybody wants to make fun of the new guy. Okay, that's that's just standard. You gotta you know you gotta earn it in MLS. Number two, you're New York, and the rest of the country resents the hell out of New York, Washington. <laughs> you know this. Now, there's, look, there's a lot of people on the East Coast who live in the sphere of influence of New York City who kind of get it and understand. Hey, I don't. I like New York. I love going up there. I, if I could afford to live in Manhattan, yeah, yeah I probably do that. Uh, but the the it, so so the New York thing is a major part of this. You're playing in Yankee Stadium, so you're attached to the evil empire. And uh-huh. and your city football group and that see that has a connotation of of the new money of the we bought our titles of we're oil money where I mean you, you want to get into the politics of it there's certainly some questionable stuff I'm sure Rick in Philly right now is yelling has at his at his uh, internet machine saying hey it's all about what um, Sheikh Mansour's country does you know when it comes to civil rights. Uh, and those kind of uh-huh. things, uh, human rights, basically. So all of those factors are why your your team's getting heat. And I think, I think you just got to live with it, man. Embrace it. I, you know, I am. I am living with it. I just wanted a little guy, you know, a little clearance on it. Cause, all right. Well, there you man, go. it was rough. There you go. People love people love to hate. Come on, man. People love. All to right, hate. man. Thanks right, a lot. Congratulations. Again. Thanks a lot. Goes uh, there goes Washington. Let's talk to uh, speak of the devil. Let's talk to Rick in Philly. <laughs> What's going on, Rick? You know, I'm I'm sitting there listening while I'm waiting to come on, and, and you mentioned me, and now I feel like I have to bring something. But I've said everything I have to say about NYCFC. I know you have. I you know, know you I'm, have. I'm, I'm not going to scream into the pit if nobody's yeah, listening. But you, you know? but you, but you haven't said everything you need to say about the Philadelphia Union. I'm sure. You know, I I, I was at the game yesterday, and the, I tweeted this yesterday, but. Philadelphia Union matches are becoming the absolute worst part of going to Philadelphia Union matches. Everything else is great, but the actual game is awful. Um, I, I can't even blame Brian Carroll for this one. It's it's insane. Uh, they're they're just so bad, mm. and, and you, it, they're not even quantifiably bad in the sense that I can't tell you now it's the goalie or it's a, it's the center back or it's money or whatever. I mean, TFC has three points on the season, so I can't even blame the money. Well, they're just. Awful. It, it seems it seems as though from from the outsider's perspective here, Rick, that at this point in the progression of the Philadelphia Union, you guys are maybe not you individually, but some of the fan base, maybe the media are picking you're picking at scabs that have never you know, they've always been scabs. They've never really been healed over, and they may not even be fundamental to winning games or getting into the playoffs, and yet what else do you have? Let's go after McCarthy and and, and scream for Andre Blake to get a start. Let's talk about, you know, let's talk about the Ford situation and is it really you know, like those okay, those things matter, but they're still they're kind of drilling down on these issues that you guys have debated and been over so many times. I, I just I see the fatigue setting in. I, I actually worry a little bit about Philly. 
No, it's, you know, we're talking about the fourth or fifth largest media market in the country. You would think at some point MLS headquarters would come in and say, no, you guys have to do better. You have to do better with your market. Well, I mean, but is that what you want? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is that what you want? Is that what anybody wants for MLS HQ to get all ramped, you know, riled up? Oh, hey, look, look what's happening out in Philadelphia. Get him on the phone. I need to talk to Nick Sakavich. Uh, that's not what you You don't want that corporate oversight. Let them sink, sink or swim. Now, it sucks because it's your team, Rick. But I think that mm-hmm. most people, most people who want MLS to progress towards either breaking up single entity or at least acting like they are would prefer that that stuff not happen. And yet, you're right, on some level, Philadelphia's success because it's such a big market is intrinsic to MLS's success and the and the weakest link in the chain is going to get the uh you know get the grease or the squeaky whatever squeaky wheel gets yeah. the grease kind of thing so we'll we'll see what happens there uh, you know and the shame of it is i uh, i'm in favor of eventually breaking up single entity i want free agency i want all these things but at the same time that's the only thing keeping the union even remotely afloat. Yeah, you just want to go. To, I feel bad about. How, I, I feel bad about that. How, I'm almost rooting for them to commit uh, to commit some sort of employment regulation. Oh, good error lord! So that, no, uh, so that they'll no, get Chivas. No, don't 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 ever wish that on your team, Rick. I appreciate the phone call, man. <laughs> there it goes. Uh, there goes Rick in Philly. Let's uh, let's talk to Columbus Crew fan. Is what I'm being told. Who's this? Uh, this is Joseph from DC. What's, what's, up, what's going on? Um, first, congrats on the big, uh, big news on Sirius. Uh, but my question about the crew game this weekend was, uh, when, when Ramos got the red card, he, uh, started running around the field kind of away from the crew, uh, players, but he ran, you know, right in front of the crew bench. And then once he got the red card, he walked right through the technical area. Uh-huh. Now I know the, uh, the commentators on TV made kind of a big deal out of that. Like, what's your take on that? Uh, yeah, uh, was that kind of a immature, cheeky move, or was he just not thinking? Well, I can only I can only judge him based on what led to the red card, and that was certainly immature behavior. I mean, he saw red. He he didn't get a call. His he got the red mist. He went in two footed. Right. He got right. As you said, he ran away from from the scene of the crime. He right rightfully gets red carded, and I can't only imagine that if he's walking in that direct area by the crew bench through the technical area that he did it on purpose. And to be right. honest with you, I think the disciplinary committee is going to have something to say about Rafael Ramos. I mean. His actions uh, leading up to the tackle or afterwards? Everything. I mean, I, you know, you, okay. you, you're getting a suspension for the red card. You're getting a one game suspension. I could see that extended. Absolutely. Maybe not three games. That might be much, but tack on another game for all of that nonsense. Yeah. For, for again, for running away from the scene of the crime because you know you're in trouble. He, 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 yeah. he doesn't, again, watch the sequence. And I, I always, it, it, it boggles the mind that these guys do this, but I sort of get it. When you're competitive, when you're an athlete, Sometimes you can't help yourself, and I've seen David Beckham do it. I've seen we've seen lots of guys do it who aren't normally necessarily those kind of players, but every now and then they just get fired up and they go in and they take somebody out and then they act they want they, they want to go whoops uh, no I didn't do that and again if he's if he's just sort of hot. Uh, you know, walking through the technical area, I think that's pro- I think that's provocation. I think that might the whole sequence merits another another game. Yeah. All right. Um. One more question, if you got a second. Yeah. Uh, 
as a, as a crew fan, we always try to play the kind of like small man, uh, kind of the annoying, <laughs> na- like little sibling with yeah. things. Yeah. But uh, looking at the nationally televised schedule, uh, we have three this year, one on each network. I mean, when you look at some of the other teams, you know, Orlando has like something like 15. Um, what does the crew have to do to get on national tele- television more? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just naturally unfair. You guys are in a smaller market. Okay. You're not in a, you're not in a, you're not in a quote unquote sexy market. Uh, the league, yeah. the the league is still Which going is funny though, because your entire, um, was it preseason? I heard the word sexy used with Columbus crew football no, in more terms, than I thought I ever had in my entire life. In, in terms of the way they play, in terms of that new logo, yeah. I dig that. There, there is, yeah. there's fun times happening in in Columbus. I, I'm a fan of the Nordeck. I, I get what they're doing. That's all cool stuff. Yet you do have, I'm sorry, and I've seen a game in that stadium, a glorified high school football stadium. For, for yeah. it's 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 great because it exists, but it's not, yeah. Yeah. and it's in the middle of the fairgrounds and all of that stuff. It just doesn't draw the same sort of. Hey, this is a big time. Thing. This is a big event. Let's get some cameras on it. That a game in uh-huh. L.A. or a game in in New York or you know obviously a game in some of these new stadiums like Sport in Kansas City, like Seattle mm-hmm. with their forty thousand. The crew need to I mean, fill that place up. Continue to play good soccer. Fill that place up. Find a way to maximize that atmosphere, which is already good, but could be fantastic and could be great. And again, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's just the fact that you're Columbus. I, I, I hate to say it that way. Yeah. I mean, we don't always have to play at home on national television. We can play away. Well, sure, uh, sure. That that I, I, that may just be the luck of the draw. I, I don't know. And and we, maybe yeah. we can grab Jonathan Tannenwald. I actually didn't want to talk TV. Thanks for the comment. I didn't want to talk TV briefly because of the uh, a piece by Jonathan on on Saturday that talks about rising MLS TV ratings. Let's let's book John for the next couple of days, Trevor, and see if we can talk about that. Uh, Guillermo's gonna be last call of the day. What's up, man? Hey, good morning, man. Congratulations on um, this XC, excuse me, uh, uh, um, the satellite uh, gig. It, it's great for you. It's really what, what uh, this, this country needs. It's more uh, real talk about <laughs> real football. But, hey, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, Guillermo, Guillermo, hold on one second. We need a T-shirt now, Trevor. We need a T-shirt that says Soccer Morning, What This Country Needs. Uh, that has to be something. <laughs> it has to be something. Go ahead, Guillermo. Uh, well, anyways, yes. Uh, so let me tell you. Uh, yesterday, I caught the USL game. I know USL, the uh, the, the Pirates. Excuse me, not the Pirates. The Pittsburgh uh, Riverhounds versus Louisville on the YouTube. My 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 father-in-law came by here. Actually, he's never heard of this. Put it on for him. Show him the sort of the, the technical quality that's out there. He's like, this is the division, right? And like it is. And he he was he was floored. He's like, I had wow. no idea. The United States had this, right? Yeah, and there's right. two more levels above this. He was really excited just to know that there's going to be people coming out of that, right? Like there's going to be production of quality players. I mean, even if one in eleven has yeah. enough level to go up, it it, it releases some you, of the kids in the lower you level. Know, I, I, he was really excited. I was excited to show it to him. But uh, and you know, congratulations, man! It, it, it's growing. Uh, and I, it's growing I appreciate people like you. I think you see, I speak to something interesting here because I think if people open their minds, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that MLS is. Uh, fantastic quality all the time. Certainly, it has its up and ups and downs. We know that the pay scale is completely out of whack because of DP salaries and and the salary cap. But there, are, there's probably better soccer being played here than most. 
people, well, not most people, some people will give the, the country credit for. It goes for Canada, too. People just don't have an open mind about this. They make their assumptions and they live with them. And that's, look, that's fine. You want to live in your little bubble. You want to imagine that uh, only La Liga is worth watching or only the Premier League is worth watching. I feel sad for you. I feel sad that you're not opening up your mind. And, and the Riverhouse, was this game in Pittsburgh, Guillermo? Yeah, 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 it was that, that little stadium. Yes. It's tiny, next to the river. Yes, uh, but it just, it's awesome. The are not that great, but there were people there. Yeah, look, it, it's an awesome little place with a fantastic view. It's 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 really cool that this stuff exists. I mean, let's just let's just uh, revel in that for a minute. I appreciate the call, Guillermo. Thanks a lot, man. Absolutely. Congratulations, man. All right, there you go. There goes Guillermo. Final call of the day. Let's go ahead and wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning on a Monday. Uh, thank you very much to Kyle McCarthy and to Christian Hanesh and his tunnels for appearing on the program today. Reminder here, let's do this one more time. Soccer Morning joins Sirius XM FC starting May 4th, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. every single weekday. We are going to be your lunchtime program on the East Coast. Your morning show, still morning, yeah, mid-morning, late morning on the in Central and, and Rocky Mountain time zones. You can, you can only listen to that particular show by signing up for Sirius XM. Plans start at $9.99. You can't beat that. Are you kidding me? 10 bucks a month. You're going to get all that soccer coverage, all of those options uh, for music, I mentioned. I mean, that's the thing that, that just, it's fantastic. Watercolors jazz. I'm telling you people. All right. Uh, but this show, this end of this particular sh- version of the show, the web show that okay, I'm being told that the 999 plan does not include Sirius XMFC. Okay, fine. Go to the website. <laughs> Go to the website, SiriusXM.com, uh, and find a plan that works for you that has SiriusXMFC. Maybe it's 15 bucks. Fine. You're still good. You're still golden. It's 15 bucks. No big deal. All right. Uh, and this particular version of the show, the WorldSoccerTalk.com version of the show, moves to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. So if you just want to be the free type, you don't want to pay for SiriusXM, we're still here. We're not going anywhere. The show will from, run from 9 to 10 We'll have a podcast version of that show every day for you. You can watch it on World Soccer Talk. You can get it at World Soccer Talk. You can get it at, at uh, iTunes. No problems. We are additionally doing the Sirius XMFC thing. And again, thanks you, thank you to everybody who's uh, given their congratulations. We really do appreciate it. We're very much looking forward to getting started. We're going to be asking you guys for thoughts, ideas, um, what you want out of that program. We're obviously going to expand our guest list dramatically. It's going to be a fun time. I'm looking forward to it. All right, what am I missing, Trevor? Backhill.com slash store to buy yourself uh, an MUG, a mug. I got one of those right here. It's fantastic. Um, 3NLFC.com to buy a T-shirt. Got some excellent pictures of people out with their T-shirts. Their Soccer Morning T-shirts out in the wild. I love those. Keep sending those my way or uh, at Soccer Morning on Twitter. Follow us at Soccer Morning on Twitter. And I, that's it. I'm, I'm, I think I'm done talking for now. I think I'm... I think I need to save my start saving up some of this energy for May 4th when we launch the serious show. Ah, good stuff. Thanks to all the callers. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye.